I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's that time of the week, everybody. It's time for Go Fight Win, the show with all the high school football stories you love. On this week's episode, I'll speak with the voice of the Atlanta Braves, Ben Ingram. He's got some stories to tell about his career coming up through Mississippi high school football. Plus, we'll take a look at some great high school football headlines from around the country, including a little fella named Butter and LeBron James. LeBron James, he's not on the show, but he does have a request for all of us, and that is to not forget that he played high school football. Hmm, we'll investigate that further. Oh, yeah, and uh, Coffee Town High School football. The Copperheads are playing at Brighton in the region title game of that on Lights of Firewoods. It's time for Go Fight Win. Fix your thigh pads. Come on. Get the ball to Don Cook and let that puzzle run. Episode 10, the Chipper Jones episode of Go Fight Win. No Chipper's not on. We'll have to get Chipper on the show. I got a bridge to that, though. Maybe one day down the line, thanks to Ben Ingram, the voice of the Atlanta Braves on the Braves Radio Network. His conversation coming up in a few minutes. But first, let's do a little housekeeping, shall we? Let's go to the film room. Let's watch the tape. See how we can get better and improve. Well, one way you can do that is by hitting subscribe on this show. Whether you're watching it or listening to it, just follow along. It's just the tap of a little button. Give it a little tappy. Just a little tap, tap, tap tap-a-roo. And keep in the know of Go Fight Win as new episodes drop every single Thursday. Plus, uh, over at GoCoffeeTown.com, I know that y'all love to support the Coffee Town Varsity Football Program, so get yourself a hat, a t-shirt, a coffee mug, a mouse pad, whatever we got over there. I can't even remember. We got so many things for you to support the Copperheads. Let's take a look at some phenomenal high school football stories from around the country. We will start 
in Richmond, Virginia. I want to shout out Michael Kelly at Michael Kelly VA who tweeted at me. Do you still say tweeted? He X'd me. That sounds aggressive. He says, Old Butter Stevenson was churning and burning on the way to the end zone for the Douglas South Hall Freeman Mavericks out of Richmond, Virginia, but really at Go Coffee Town. Yeah, Michael Kelly knows. He has two first names, but it don't matter. He knows the first name in high school football is Coffee Town football, by God. He says here in the uh, photo that he shared with me, I do not know which publication this is from. Please forgive me. Don't sue me. This is a brand new show and I'm having fun. I don't want to. Uh, get it canceled just yet. But here's the quote. I knew they'd be ready for it. They were talking to each other. They were coached up on it. Well, not only was Douglas South Hall, sorry, Douglas South Hall Freeman uh, coached up well, they had the X Factor, Butter Stevenson. During a timeout, Coach Bland checked his call sheet, noticed a star beside a throwback screen his guys had worked on. Then watched his quarterback, Jaden Reese, connected with Butter Stevenson at the line of scrimmage for a 36-yard catch-and-run touchdown. That was the turning point in the Mavericks' 32-7 victory. We'd installed that play, Bland said. If we take time practicing it, we might as well run it. I thought it was something that might bail us out in a tough situation and create some big momentum. Luckily, it did. Look, we've had Booger McFarland on this show as a guest to talk about his high school football career, but Butter, woo, that boy's slippery. Woo, he's smooth. Woo, he's just greasing up that pan on the way to a W, big old W for Douglas South Hall Freeman. The Mavericks out there going full top gun with Butter Stevenson. How do you not? How do you not? Season your food, season your wind, season your season with a little bit of butter. Can't have too much butter. Good job, Butter Stevenson. I don't know what position you play. I guess uh, running back, fullback maybe. Butter is just full of butter with a full head of steam, and he's heading your way. Somebody else tweeted down here, Josh Sperry. Huge Coffee Town supporter. When one of the other wideouts makes a big catch, can't believe it's not butter. I'd be surprised too. Michael Bucklew says, with the way he's been struggling this year, I thought his career was toast. Don't ever count out butter. This isn't margarine. This isn't olive oil. This is butter, Stevenson. All right, other stories here. What do we got? Sam Mullet becomes the first woman to win Michigan high school football game as coach. It's been a rough few days. For Michigan football. Connor Stallions, Connor Stallions, I don't know if the name is real or made up, sounds fake. Same sounds like he worked in the film room for Coffee Town football. But what Connor Stallions did under investigation for some cheating allegations, helping the Wolverines scout some opponents and learn their signals, all that, well, that's not happening here. This is just a good, wholesome story. As Sam Mullet, according to the Detroit Free Press, wins a Michigan football game, high school football game, the first woman to win a football game in Michigan. Her eight-player team accomplished that Saturday when it thumped Baldwin 26-0. After the game, they were hooting and hollering, running all over the place, Mullet said. Two of them were crying. They were so happy because they hadn't won a football game since they were in the fifth grade. My little brother played rec league football when he was growing up, and they never won a game. 
no wins. He still weeps about it. He won't admit it, but I hear him in his room when I'm over there visiting. It's sad. It'll leave a mark on you. So I don't blame these fellas for crying. And then you got Sam Mullet. We can't have enough mullets on the show. Well, her team is business in the front and party in the back because when they had their business done up front, they partied in the back. Right there in the locker room, Sam Mullet coaching up. Who's the team? Bear Lake, of course. Sam Mullet and Bear Lake, the Lakers. They got the big win, and uh, that's probably going to end up being a Disney Plus original series. They'd probably get a whole series out of that one. Uh, Mullet may be a rookie head coach, but she's coached before other than being an assistant at Bear Lake in 1999. She spent training camp as an intern with the Baltimore Ravens and a year ago had a similar internship with the Buffalo Bills. Man, she's got all kinds of internships just stringing them together. 99, I believe, was a good year for the Ravens. That was their fourth year and they missed the playoffs. All right, not a great year, but the point stands. Sam Mullet picking up all that knowledge along the way, and uh, they lost their first six games of the season, only had 10 players dressed last week. Only 10 players (laughs) dressed last week? Holy smokes. With only 73 students in the school, it's the third smallest school playing football in the entire state. And it was surreal. I can't put it into words, said Miles Harless. We've wanted this for two years, and when we finally got it, it felt amazing, especially because it's the first shutout in Bear Lake history, and especially it was Sam's first win. And here's the coaching angle that really propelled the team to victory. If you look at our stats for the last however many weeks, Cole was averaging 14, 15 tackles a game, and then everybody else had two. There will be like one or two kids who will get up in the six, seven range, but it's pretty much Cole and the other guy. It's different every week, and everybody else has one or two tackles. So she motivated the team, and this is expert coaching. This isn't the kind of thing you learn in the NFL. This is just coaching intuition. I challenged them before the game to hold Cole to five tackles, keep all the tackles away from him, which angered him. He got all fired up and went out and had 14 of them. He had like 10 solos or something crazy. It was a challenge to the other guys to step up, and they took on the challenge. They were kind of surprised. Man, that impresses me right there. That is a coach who knows how to motivate the team. And she only had 10 guys. And one guy's getting all the tackles. We'll piss him off and then piss all the other guys off. What are y'all doing? All right, this is eight-player football here. Can y'all please go tackle somebody before I have to go in myself? She saw Ray Lewis go out there and uh, fire up the whole stadium. You need a little bit more of that energy, a little bit more of that momentum. And Sam Mullet found it with her team, just tapped right in. And the uh, Bear Lake, I guess they're the Bears. No, they're the Lakers. It was going to be one or the other. It was going to be either the Bears or the Lakers. They get the win. Uh, that's amazing. Congratulations to Bear Lake. Congratulations to Sam Mullet. Speaking of Lakers, here's a fellow you may have heard of before, LeBron James. LeBron James. LeBron James. Well, uh, he's back in the news, not because the NBA season is starting up, but because he posted an Instagram story that reminds people to not forget about the fact that he played high school football and he wants them to dig up the tapes. Well, got some news for you, King. 
I plan to do that. I'm going to be aggressive about it. And we're going to see if there isn't a bigger story to tell here. <clears throat> LeBron was once a standout high school football player, and this is from Sports Kita. I don't know if that's some sort of diet or what it is, uh, but LeBron shared a video from Uninterrupted about his high school football footage, and King James on the Instagram story there says, we need to find the rest of the tapes. Hmm. He's got a little detective emoji with a magnifying glass. James uh, really did stand out on the football field. Obviously, he was huge, and he wanted to keep playing, but his mom didn't want him to do it. And This is a similar story with Allen Iverson. Amazing career as a high school football player in Virginia. Uh, one of the most feared players in the state, but you know, you have a few conversations, make a business decision, and you're on to basketball. Well, LeBron played two seasons of high school football in Akron, Ohio, at St. Vincent St. Mary's. They couldn't pick a name there. Just a bunch of saints. Uh, he averaged more than 20 yards per reception during his high school football career, caught 23 touchdowns. Imagine that. In two seasons, that pace would have put him in the top 10 in receiving touchdowns in high school football history. I imagine that's in the state of Ohio. In a sophomore season, James caught 46 balls for 905 yards and seven touchdowns. His junior season saw an uptick in production. Tight end caught 57 passes for 1,160 yards and 16 touchdowns. Now, he wanted uh, to keep playing, interestingly enough, <clears throat> because Aaliyah passed away and her death inspired LeBron James. I know that seems like I am playing Mad Libs right now, but that is a true story. Uh, Grant Wall, rest in peace, wrote a story about LeBron James in 2002 when he was still in high school. And uh, here's what the quote says from the story. For the last two years, in fact, James has risked career-threatening injury as an all-state wide receiver on the St. Vincent St. Mary football team. At first, James's mother, Gloria, refused to let LeBron play last fall, but after the 22-year-old singer Aaliyah died in a plane crash last August, again, this is from 2002, he persuaded her to let him play. You're not promised tomorrow, LeBron told Wall. I had to be out on the field with my team. Though LeBron did break the index finger of his left non-shooting hand, he helped lead the Irish to the state semifinals. Uh, this is what uh, LeBron goes on to say here. My homie, Mr. 1223, just sent this to me from his son. This is in current day, his high school football highlights. His son said, I didn't know Braun was number one prospect in Ohio. Yeah, Braun was nice in football too. I didn't even play my senior year. I wanted to so badly because my boys wouldn't let me. No, so this wasn't just his mom. This was his crew of people that were his handlers, protectors. If you remember back to his early playing days, he had a uh, pretty big crew of people. I think that circle's gotten a little bit smaller as his career's gotten bigger. But LeBron said, they said if I tried to step on a football field my senior year, they would jump, kick my ass, me every day of practice until I had enough. Think I made a smart decision. Well, uh, look, that seems a little counterintuitive when you consider the fact that you're trying to keep the guy healthy, but you're threatening to beat him up. I don't think you were going to beat LeBron James up. I'm just going to break that news to you right now. No matter how many of you you had, watch him play high school football. It took a whole team to bring him down at times. Coming up, a game that's bigger than LeBron James.
A game that's smoother than butter, Stevenson. A game that has a lot more on the line than Sam Mullett's previously winless Lakers team. It's Coffee Town football time. Time for the radio broadcast of Coffee Town at Brighton in the region title game. Go Copperhead. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Coffee Town at Brighton for the region title. No reptile Henderson tonight. He cut up his throwing arm on a tree while he was hunting Tuesday morning. The doctors say they ain't never seen infection like it. He tried to give it a go at practice this week, but the trainer said there was just too much pus flying around. He is a hazard to the team, so he's down there on the sidelines standing about 30 yards away from everybody, got his whole arm taped up in grocery bags. Do not shake his hand if you see him out after the ball game tonight. Taking Reptile's place tonight is cornerback Prince Rockwell. I know his mama down there at Rockwell Drugstore. It is cold and windy down there tonight, but I ain't seen him complete a single pass in pregame warm-ups. We only got two officials due to labor shortages. It means they'll be about twice as bad as they normally are. You know Briarton's always got home cooking here, and I've seen a couple of their team dads filming our signs at games the last couple weeks. Chip shot Kaminsky out to kick it off. He kicks barefoot so you know he can't feel a dadgum thing out there. Might be an advantage for us later on. Ryerton's going to return it out of the end zone where a crowd of copperheads meet him at the five. Bullfrogs quarterback Andy Reid back here in the gun. The snap goes over his head. We got a safety. That safety brought to you by Plum Family Plumbing. When you're all backed up and got nowhere to turn, call Plum Family Plumbing and check them out on Facebook. This too shall pass. Time for this week's academic athlete brought to you by Big Tire. Team trainer Paisley Gomez takes the team up and keeps them hydrated. 
Paisley, what's the worst injury you ever seen, darling? How'd you go about treating a compound fracture? I got a rash that is really barking behind my knees, kind of like the armpit of my leg, if that makes sense. Could you take a look at it for me? Reptile didn't infect you when he was out there throwing at practice this week, did he? Brighton driving on us up 3-2, one minute left and no timeouts. They've been holding all game, had 12 men on the field a couple times, but the refs were down there looking at their phones and missed it. One of them just left. So we got one ref on the field and he's also doing chain gang. Bullfrog's got a fourth and goal from our one and we have got to get a stop. They hand it off to Twig Thompson. We meet him in the backfield and Twig fumbles. Couple copperheads, number 44, number two, jumped on that box. Oh, and that is Coffee Town football right there. We got a big stop, but it is time to go to work. Rockwell is 0 for 14 passing with two interceptions and 212 yards rushing. But his legs ain't going to help us now. Prince in the gun looking. Got a man open. He throws it 20 yards in front of tight end Buster Hyde. Second down, Rockwell got Crockpot Peters open across the middle. He skips it in the dirt. Third down now, Rockwell under pressure. He throws it to Lovick Houston for a first down. But the refs call a hole for the first time all night. And of course it's on us. Third and 20, 30 seconds left and Rockwell's going to get sacked. Fourth and a mile, here's the ball game. Prince, don't spike it, whatever you do. Rockwell takes a snap, rolls out to his left, and uncorks a prayer in a crowd of bullfrogs. And Lovick Houston brings it down at the Brighton 35 for a coffee town first down. Houston, y'all have a problem. Rockwell's about as timely as a church bell. Even a broken clock works twice a day, but we just needed one. Five seconds left. Spike it, Prince. Come on. We're going to bring Chipshot on for a 52-yard field goal. His previous long is 28. Man around, I can't watch. The snap, the hold. Kaminsky connects with that four-toe barefoot of his. It hits the upright and rolls over. It's good. It's good. It's good. A chip shot heard round the region. Coffee Town takes the crown 5-3 on a safety and the soul of Kaminsky. Ref was down there getting a cup of water and talking with the cheerleaders. But we all saw it. And he just got nervous and threw his hands up. Chip shot Kaminsky kicked that ball like it was hitting on his mama. I mean, if he clips his toenails today, that ball is short. And the Copperheads are carrying Kaminsky off the field. Oh, hell, y'all get Reptile Henderson away from that foot. All right, our guest does play-by-play for the Braves Radio Network. He's called a World Series title, a ton of postseason games, the NL East champs for a million years running, it feels like. He is Ben Ingram. I'm going to try to match his tones here on the mic, but it's impossible unless I down a quart of scotch and have a couple cigars. Uh, Ben, tell me about your high school sports career. We'll start there. I know you did a lot behind the mic, but where'd you go to school? What was the environment like where you grew up? Sure, absolutely. Thanks for having me. Um, This is definitely fun. I grew up in Madison, Mississippi, uh, just north of Jackson, Mississippi. I uh, went to a high school called Madison Central High School, and um, it was uh, a school that was combined with two other schools in the early 90s. So by the time I went to school in the mid-90s, it was really going in, in a big school and one of the biggest in the state. And uh, everything was new. Uh, I mean, the, the the football coach that we had and the baseball coach that we had, they were the first coaches at that school. Uh, the uniforms are new. The colors were new. The, the mascot was new facilities were new so um, that was really cool to be early at high school and um, I was always big into sports football baseball basketball uh, loved playing all three was hardly good enough to be on the field for any of those but was just around and in the field house and on a team and in a dugout and on a sideline and that kind of thing but um, it was more so just the culture of anything I just loved being part of a team and being around my buddies and 
watching guys who are significantly better than I am uh, play those games and play those sports. But it was fun just to be a part of that school. Yeah, when I when I say high school sports coach, who's the first coach that comes to mind that either molded you, shaped you, or left an impact on you one way or another when you think about playing high school ball? I think two guys come to mind. Number one was our football coach and athletic director, Mike Justice, and he is a legend back home. I think he's won a state championship in football at three different schools. Um, he won the state championship two years after I graduated. They had five guys on that team that played in the NFL. I mean, it was uh, Stephen Guskowski and uh, wow. Chris Spencer, Harris Hel- Harrelson, and Doug Buckles and Mike Espy. Um, they were absolutely loaded. That was a special team. But he's a guy who comes to mind because he wasn't just the football coach, but he was the athletic director. And I'm so glad that I came through when I did. I graduated in 1998. And um, I feel like it was a time where the locker room was still pretty sacred. You didn't have social media. Coaches could speak to kids like men uh, and not have to worry about getting in trouble for things like that. I I think he was – he was hard in discipline. He was hard in work ethic. But I think that really uh, benefited me. I think that's something that stuck with me throughout the, my professional career. And things that we learned in ninth, 10th, 11th, 12th grade playing football, I think, are applicable to succeeding in life and hard work and, and um, bouncing back from failure and things like that. I think we learned a lot from, from our coaches. But he's one who comes to mind, and it wasn't just the message that he gave. It was his tone. It was his toughness. He was He's one of the toughest guys I've ever known. And I think a lot of us would say that about our high school coaches. That just kind of comes with the territory. But it also came with uh, a very distinct Southern accent that even to this day, if I'm around some of my buddies from high school, we will still mimic uh, his accent and some of his quotes and some of his sayings. I mean, this is – I graduated high school 25 years ago. And I'll be with some high school buddies in two weeks, and I guarantee you there will be a Coach Mike Justice reference in there at some point that weekend in our best uh, recreate uh, recreating of his accent and things like that. So uh, he's one. And then our baseball coach, Mike Roseman, was someone who, who really um, taught me a lot about the game, taught me a lot about what how to watch a game. I, I think it's very different playing at a baseball game versus watching a baseball game, what you're looking for. And I think that kind of uh, helped me early on in, in high school in terms of how to uh, watch a game, what you're looking for, and how I bring that to the broadcast now uh, when it comes to baseball. So uh, it, it, it's uh, I think you look back on your career and look back at your life and you see certain people who are certainly mile markers and pointing you in the right direction, and those are two coaches that come to my mind. So I'm putting you on the spot so you can choose whether or not you want to do the accent. But what are some of those one-liners or quotes that you know your buddies are going to be talking about here when you meet up? Um, well, I, I've got one buddy who I'll see him in two weeks. He he was a cross-country guy. He was very thin. And um, Coach just, Justice, he talked like this. He'd come in, fellas, what are we going to do? And um, – He'd look at a guy like my buddy Bryce, and he'd say, Coach, we got to get rid of some of these pencil arm boys. We need to get some, some real late weightlifters up in here. We need some strength, some strong <laughs> boys in here. Cut it. Um, stuff like that. He's like, are you tough? Are you tough, boy? My dad was a pup wooder. And he talk about tough. We, we, we hold wood all day, and we were up and down the highway, stuff like that. Um, those are the things that come to mind. We were a 5A school at the time. 
Uh, there's 7A now. And there was also a private school uh, in our um, in our neighborhood or in our town called Madison Ridgeland Academy, MRA. So they're the private school. We're the public school. And he would often say, he's like, fellas, this is 5A football. This ain't 4A. <laughs> yep. This ain't 3A. And it sure as hell ain't MRA. And <laughs> that was that was the, <laughs> the saying because uh, – uh, it's certainly better than the 4A and the 3A school, but and, and definitely better than the private school. So those are some that come to mind. Yeah, our coach, uh, Jim Tiller, was not our head coach, but he was our weight room coach, offensive line guy. And he was not the biggest dude, but he could get after you. He's kind of like Clint Eastwood a little bit, but he would always let us know, you play 7-5A football for Collins Hill Haskins. <laughs> uh, so he even got it down to the region which I always appreciate it. But that's so true how those coaches will stick with you, and especially in the South, how they always carry that badge of coach. It's like reverend or, you know, governor. You know, that that title never goes away, and those memories don't either. Um, so, so, Ben, playing ball and, and learning the game in a lot of different ways as an athlete was one thing. But what was your journey like to – going behind the mic and calling games and being the voice of whatever teams you were, uh, ha you happen to be covering. Well, I, I, I was really lucky, Wes. I knew what I wanted to do when I was a kid. I mean, I, I love sports. I love going to games, being at games, uh, getting an opportunity to play different sports. But I knew even when I was, I, I don't want maybe not necessarily elementary school, but Easily fourth, fifth grade. I, I wanted to broadcast games. I had uh, an affection for um, listening to games on the radio. Uh, I really enjoyed, even when I was 10, 11 years old, I'd mute the television. I would broadcast myself calling games. I had a big boom box and that tape, and I'd hit play and record, and I would call the game. And I had a little table I'd set up, and I had the sports page set out, the box score from the night before, so I knew what players were which. And um, I would flip a game on, hit mute, and call it. So I just had an interest in that. And the cool thing is, is I was interested in it before I knew I'd even have the tools for it. I didn't know I'd have a voice that anybody would want to listen to. I didn't know that I'd have uh, a memory for such things. But as it turned out, it, it that that's how it played out. And it just turned out where this is going to work out. And it's kind of bizarre because you can make the argument that some people are just meant for certain things. And you kind of have that in you before you even know that you have the tools to do it. And I felt like that was the case with me with broadcasting. So it was always in my mind in high school. I knew I wanted to go to a college where I'd have an opportunity to, to be behind the mic, to call, whatever, have opportunities. Um, and at the time, you know, this was not to sound like we're a hundred years old, but uh, I, like I said, I graduated in 98. I didn't, we, the internet wasn't really a thing. I didn't have, it's not like now where you can, uh, the world is a lot smaller. I feel like for, for an average high school senior now, if you wanted to go to a school that was 3,000 miles away, the opportunity to do that is there uh, in much more abundance now than maybe it was when I was in high school. I mean, you're sending out letters, you're hoping that you got a letter back. Um, I knew that the broadcasting schools nationwide were Syracuse and Northwestern and Missouri, but those places might as well have been a million miles away from me in Madison, Mississippi. That felt like it was so far away. I didn't have a problem with leaving my hometown or even leaving my state, but I wanted to be at least in my, 
my region. I wanted to be stay in the South. I wanted to be around people that um, I knew or people who were like me. And uh, I didn't know how to get to those schools. It just seemed like it was so foreign. So um, I didn't know where I was going to go to college. And I was thinking about two or three different places in state. Uh, was open to whatever. And I actually, I, I happened to go on a, a, a trip with a buddy of mine who was going on a senior's weekend to Mississippi College, which is a D2 school back home. It, it was D3 back when I went. Uh, but they have a communication department, an on-campus FM radio station. And my buddy said, hey, it's for high school seniors. We go this weekend, hang out. You don't have to be going to, to school there next year as a freshman to go to this weekend and see what the school is all about. Do you want to go? I said, yeah, why not? So I'll go. Um, so I go that weekend. I go to the communications department, I meet the head of communications, and come to find out their on-campus FM station covered their football, baseball, and basketball. Uh, they, it was all student-run. It was student-run production. It was student-run on-air. The only thing that was run by the adults was the sales of the station, uh, things like that. But it was, it was very much student-led, and that included play-by-play. So the person who was calling play-by-play was going into his senior year as I was going into my freshman year. And they told me if I go to school there, I could be calling football, baseball, and basketball games there by my sophomore year. And I thought, well, that made up my mind for me. Um, It wasn't a huge school. It wasn't a party school. It wasn't any of those other things that I was really interested in. But I knew what I wanted to do professionally. And I knew that if I went to school there, that by the time I was 19 years old, I'd be on the air, like actually on the air, calling football, baseball, basketball. And that was going to give me a big boost. So that's what I did. So in college, I was calling division three football, baseball, basketball games, uh, men and women's basketball, uh, baseball and football. And by the time I finished that, I had three or four years of, of play-by-play experience that I used to getting in the door in professional baseball. Uh, my first professional baseball job was with an independent team uh, there in Mississippi. This was in 2004 and was making, I mean, I was working for PB and Jades, but I didn't care, man. I was on the air. I was calling baseball games by guys who were paid to play the game. And I, to me, that was just everything. I uh, did one year of that and then got a job with the A-ball team for the Padres in Eugene, Oregon. Moved all the way out to Eugene, uh, lived there for a season, and then the Mississippi Braves came into existence. The AA team for the Braves moved from Greenville, South Carolina, to Pearl, Mississippi, which is 20 minutes from my hometown. And I had uh, some pretty good connections with the radio station that was going to be carrying their games, and they asked me if I wanted to come back and, and be a part of those broadcasts. And that's how I got into the Braves organization and did four years of AA baseball before moving to Atlanta in 2011 to do pregame and postgame for the Braves radio network, and then eventually took that to the next step to play-by-play. So I know that's kind of a, a long-winded answer, but that's my path from high school to where we are today. No, it's so cool, man. Uh, you know, the, the thing about broadcasting this crazy sports media industry is it does feel a lot like baseball. You start out, you cut your teeth, and the cream rises to the top, right? And eventually you get that call up. You get some breaks go your way. You stay consistent with it, and you do get that call up. And uh, I listen to you and Joe on this radio here right over my shoulder because I don't like dealing with all the streaming stuff these days. And uh, it's just it's great to hear you just be a pro, but to know that story is is also really cool. Um, take me back to Ben in front of the TV with the boombox. 
who were some of the voices that you listened to that motivated you or drove you towards that profession? Uh, so there's, it's an army of voices, I feel, on different levels. And I'll start with the, the closest to me. Being in, in Mississippi, uh, we didn't have any professional sports teams. It, it was college. Uh, we had a double-A baseball team, the, the Jackson Mets, then they became the Jackson Generals. Uh, and when I was in high school, it was the Generals. They were double-A for the Astros, and they had a guy named Bill Wahlberg, who was a minor league broadcaster for many years. And I would listen to him uh, because I could pick him up. And, and I thought it was just tremendous that I could listen to this guy every single night. On the statewide level, um, David Kellum, Jack Crystal were the two play-by-play broadcasters, one at Ole Miss, one at Mississippi State. And um, I, they've David Kellum's still there. He's been broadcasting Ole Miss athletics since the early 80s, I want to say. I remember wow. the first time I heard it, probably 10 years old, they had a game against Arkansas where they had a goal line stand to win the game. And I remember where I was. I remember that call <laughs> vividly. Uh, Jack Crystal was – I mean, legendary. It was, it was almost like Munson at Georgia. Just that kind of um, that kind of growly voice, um, just tremendous. You could hear the emotion at every single call. Football, basketball. Um, really enjoyed listening to him. I just thought he had such a unique voice. <clears throat> so those are two guys on, on the the local state level. I'd say beyond that, for baseball. Um, I, I, the first baseball voice, major league baseball voice I remember hearing was Jack Buck. Uh, when I was mm. a kid and my, I, I had lots of, I grew up in a very disciplined household. My dad's a pastor, my mom, uh, a teacher, and I'm the oldest. So there was a lot of rules and a lot of discipline, which meant we have one television. It's in the living room. You don't get a TV in your room. When it was time to go to bed, I'm there in the darkness of my room trying to, you know, all I could think about was getting out. And my, my channel, my medium of, of exploration was the radio and going what up and rebel. down the dial with a, yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> and getting the AM dial and listening to different broadcasts. And it blew my mind that I could listen to radio stations from other towns and other States uh, on the AM dial. And I remember picking up a Cardinal game one time on KMOX and hearing Jack Buck for the first time. And I just thought it was tremendous because I could hear the crowd noise of Bush Stadium. I could I could picture in my mind him being there. And there I am in the darkness of my room wishing I could be there with everybody else. Uh, that was just uh, kind of enchanting to me. Uh, he's a voice. Mel Allen narrating. Uh, this week in baseball was a huge impact on me. I loved hearing, listening to this week in baseball and hearing his narrations. Uh, listening to Vince Scully call the World Series in the 80s because that's the only time I could hear him because I couldn't hear him with him being in L.A. I remember hearing him and Joe Garagiola when I was 8, 9, 10 years old calling the World Series, uh, and they were tremendous. Also, Pat Summerall and, uh, mm. and, and John Madden, I thought were NFL voices on Sundays that I just couldn't get enough of. I it could it didn't matter who was playing. It seemed like it was Cowboys Niners every Sunday, and those guys yeah. were calling the game. But I loved listening to Pat Summerall call a game. Uh, so those are guys who jump out immediately. And then when I was in in school and getting home from school and taking the bus home, you get home and it's Harry Carey and Steve Stone on the on TV when you get home. And then that night it's the Braves. And that was such a treat, getting a double dose of, of baseball on WGN and then TBS. 
um, two super stations and getting to hear Harry Carey and Steve Stone and then getting to hear Skip, Pete, and Ernie, and Joe, and Don, and then the whole cast. And it was like a, um, a, almost like going to, to a, a school, listening to these different broadcasters. I'd get yeah. home from school and then my education continue listening to these two telecasts and and hearing so many great voices so uh, i'd hate to think about missing anybody out or skipping anybody but those are the guys who come to mind immediately oh you covered the greats man so just a couple more for you here and i'll let you run this show is about high school football and it started with uh tip of the cap to high school football radio so in your experience calling high school ball i know you're actually going to go do that again this fall a little bit later what are some memories that jump out to you, whether it was a call that you made or one of the wildest things that you covered behind the mic? Man, that's a great question. Um, as far as behind the mic myself goes, and, and like your reference, I'll get to call. So I, I love high school football. Um, I think for those of us who were part of it growing up, it's a part of us that never really leaves us. I, I, I think about the part of us that's, that that's ingrained in us where even to this day, I'm 43 years old, on Fridays, I still get on Twitter and check my high school's score to see what they did that night because it's a big deal. I mean, it's tradition. Uh, they have high expectations every single year, and I'm, and I'm curious to see what they do every single year. So a few years ago, one of these high school state championship games that I still get to call, I'll go back for a state championship weekend every year um, and call. I'm a part of three different broadcasts for state championship games. And I got to call my own high school winning the state championship two years ago. This was two months after we won the World Series. Like, well, yeah. that was really fun. I got to call the Braves Series in November. And then my high school won the state championship the following month and get to be on the call for those two. That stands out. Uh, but also going back to when I, when I was in high school and right after high school, um, our athletic director, the coach that I mentioned earlier, he made sure we were on a big radio station that covered the entire metro area market when I was – uh, in high school and just after high school, and it, no they pencil got on radio rings. stations for Madison. No, flamethrowers, no pencil arms, um, and that that was a really big deal. And going back and listening to those games and and being out with my buddies in college, but still checking in to see what the team was doing on a Friday night, uh, that was always great. And then, of course, I think about some of the times where you you travel around. <clears throat> whether it's, it's in Georgia or Mississippi or wherever. And, and these facilities are hardly the best that you've ever been in. And I think about some of the places where I have broadcasted a high school football game. I remember one time I got to, um, I was calling the North State Championship game. This might have been in 05, 06. It was South Panola High School and Starkville High School. And the visiting radio setup was a high school school desk sitting in the bleachers and it was about 30 degrees at night so I'm yep. sitting in a kid's desk with all my gear calling a game um and you think about some of these facilities i remember one facility the the visiting radio booth was a pew from a church sanctuary on the <laughs> rooftop of the press I love so that. i'm running down and sitting in a church pew at the top of a press box open air uh, but it was just always an adventure. You never knew what you were going to get when you showed up to some of these places, and those are two that stand out. It is a spiritual experience sometimes, Ben. Last one for you. How familiar were you with Austin Riley's high school football career 
leading up to what he eventually became as a professional uh, baseball player. It's pretty remarkable what he did, man. Yeah, it is. And, and I didn't know, I didn't know the quarterback side of it um, until maybe this past year. I knew he kicked and punted because his dad was a punter yeah. at Mississippi State. Um, and I've made the joke before that he was, <laughs> that was the perfect time to be punting at Mississippi State in the late 80s because they probably got more playing time than any other punter in the conference. Um, <laughs> they weren't moving the ball much. But they, um, I, I knew that he played, but I found out later that he was a quarterback. And then due to his baseball career and, and taking more uh, of an approach to baseball and, and potentially getting drafted out of high school, uh, that he – was relegated just to kicking and punting and not throwing anymore. So um, I did know that he was a tremendous kicker. And it's funny seeing those videos because he's the biggest guy on the field mm-hmm. and he's out there punting the ball. He'd be the tight end or, or a defensive end. Um, but yeah, that was pretty awesome. And once I found out that he was from Mississippi, I remember when we drafted him out of high school, I knew he was a Mississippi State commit, signed with, with, with uh, Atlanta as he was drafted. So that immediately made me curious because we just got a guy from my home state, and I knew he was from North Mississippi, so I was curious about where he went and what he did and all that. So uh, to research that and find out that he played football and baseball at DeSoto Central and uh, knowing the history of that school, that's a newer school as that area in North Mississippi, South the Memphis has exploded, and um, they've had several really good teams up there in Olive Branch and South Panola and Hernando and uh, really good schools up there. Uh, but that would, that always interests me because there's always that connection anytime you meet somebody from your home state. Imagine being the punt returner and seeing Austin Riley running at you with a full <laughs> head of steam, man. Terrifying. You're thinking this special team, this, this is not what I faced the last few weekends. Usually I can – I had no problem with my punter coming after me. Usually that's a good thing for the, the punter returner, but not for those guys. He's a decent field goal kicker too. Uh, ben, thank you so much, man. I know it's the offseason for the Braves, but let everybody know where they can find you, whether it's the offseason or during uh, MLB season. Yeah, absolutely. And our, our social media, at Braves Radio Network, uh, Twitter, Instagram, and then individually, uh at Ingram Radio on Twitter and at Benjamin Ingram on uh, Instagram. You can find me at either. Good stuff, Ben. Enjoy the offseason. Look forward to hearing your state championship calls and uh, a little bit more as the season rolls along, man. Take it easy. Thanks for having me, man. Good to mix it up with you. Uh, Thank you, Ben Ingram. Man, what a voice. Those pipes, man. He just... As I told him, this radio over my shoulder here, if you're watching, that's how I listen to the Braves. That's how I keep up with the team. And uh, it's very soothing, very comforting, especially when the Braves win a game or win a hundred and something of them. Not so much when they get bounced in the NLDS, but you know, there's always next year, right? And uh, they got a World Series and Bryce Harper still doesn't have one. Bryce, don't think that doesn't mean that I wouldn't be willing to talk to you about how you dropped out of high school on here because that that would be a good story too. But y'all hit like and subscribe here on Go Fight Win and keep in the know of what we have going on every single Thursday. You can also find more content over at gocoffeetown.com and on the Go Coffee Town YouTube channel and all over social media. This is uh, pretty much just me making the stuff, but it comes from your stories, your story submissions, your tags, on social media. So please keep those coming. Y'all make this thing 
hum. You make this thing sing. You make this thing glide like a piece of butter on a hot skillet. Shout out to Butter Stevenson and that team out there and Sam Mullet and LeBron James and all the rest of them. Y'all have a great week, great weekend. Go fight and win. Available everywhere you find your shows other than a CD or a Walkman. See you back here next Thursday. Peace. Hannah Storm and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.